I must be going crazy. I can see a town that doesn't exist. My name is Samuel Baker. I'm a Yellowstone National Park Ranger and I need some advice. I've spent my entire career fighting wildfires for the National Park Service and after two decades in the field, I thought I'd seen everything. Then, about four hours ago, an entire town just appeared in the middle of Yellowstone National Park and the other ranger and I are the only ones who've been in it. We're not alone, however, as you might expect from something appearing out of nowhere inside of one of America's most famous parks, the town is home to many people, some of whom have been here for years. They all seem perfectly normal, but they aren't aware that they live inside a national park. My partner, Thomas, was the first to notice the town. He'd driven into the valley a few hours before dawn one morning and saw a brand new sign on the road. Welcome to Hungry Horse, it read. When he drove past the next bend in the road, he saw the motel. That's when he turned around to come to get me. The two of us had driven up the valley together in our trusty old Chevy Blazer and taken the long way around because we hadn't wanted to pass through the town until we were sure what it was. We parked at the base of the mountain and hiked up. We walked across the railroad tracks and passed a small gas station with a lone oil drum full of diesel fuel and another filled with water. The street was lined with old cars, some of which looked like they'd been there for a while, others which had probably just arrived that morning. Hungry Horse wasn't a ghost town, or even abandoned. It was thriving. Thomas and I entered the town cautiously, because despite appearances this place could be dangerous. While we didn't run into any trouble, we did notice that everyone seemed indifferent to the fact they'd just appeared out of nowhere. Most of them ignored us completely, although a few gave us strange looks. Some of these people look familiar, I said, looking over at Thomas. He nodded. I know what you mean, Sam. I recognized a couple people in the diner, too. It's weird. It's weird. Those words echoed in my head as I watched a man carrying a bucket walk down the sideways. It's weird. I repeated to myself silently. My eyes followed his movements. The man carried himself with confidence and purpose, but he never looked up at where he was walking. Instead, he stared straight ahead and continued forward without looking back once. He disappeared around the corner of a building, and I noticed another person staring directly at me. He was tall and thin, wearing a black hiking jacket. His face was pale, and he was bald. He was standing in the doorway of a small coffee shop. He reminded me of the missing hiker we had searched for last week. That's when I realized why I recognized some of the people here. They were all people who have vanished from national parks. That's how we found out that almost every single person in Hungry Horse had been reported missing from national parks. We spoke to everyone we could find. Some refused to talk, others were friendly enough, but none of them knew anything about why they were there. As far as they were concerned, they lived in Hungry Horse, Montana. They weren't sure exactly when they arrived here. A lot of them couldn't remember much before arriving in Hungry Horse. They also told us they'd been here for years. Many of them had been born and raised in the town and believed it was the real deal. They all knew the townsfolk by name and went to school with them. One woman, an older lady named Irene, told us that she had no idea that she'd been reported missing. She worked at the local hardware store and had been living in Hungry Horse for more than 45 years. What about your husband? I asked. Do you have any children, grandchildren? She shook her head. No, I've never been married. How do you feel about living here? Do you miss anywhere else? Your family, maybe? Again, she shook her head. Not really. This is my home. As far as she knew, this was the only home she'd ever known. I tried to ask if she missed her family, but she just smiled and told me that her family was right here in Hungry Horse, Montana. We thanked her and left the hardware store. Hopping back into our park ranger truck, we drove deeper into the town. I really don't like this, Sammy, Thomas said. I've had a feeling of being watched ever since we entered the town. I looked over at him. 
He was staring at a man standing by a large semi-trailer outside the diner. The man was holding a jug of milk. I couldn't help but think of the hiker we'd found dead last week. Sam, are you listening to me? I snapped back to reality and looked at my partner. Thomas had started quivering in fear. Sorry, what did you say? I said I think we should leave. I don't want to be here anymore. I looked around the town. There were so many people here, so many people who shouldn't be here. All of them were perfectly normal. Some of them even knew each other. How could there be so many people in a town that didn't exist? I agree. Let's go, I said. We drove away from the town and back to the ranger cabin. Thomas was still shaking. I'm going to call this in, he said. This whole thing is bullshit, but we better document it anyway. I mean, how could an entire town full of missing people just appear in the middle of Yellowstone? I nodded. Okay, I'll be in the cabin. I think I need some time to process all this shit. I sat back down on the couch and closed my eyes. It all felt unreal. I kept thinking about the hiker we'd found in the woods last week. He died while out on a hike in the wilderness. He'd been alone and confused, but I just saw him alive and well, in a town that doesn't exist. I opened my eyes and looked around. I took in a deep breath and let it out. It smelled like wood, smoke, and pine. I stood up and started pacing the room. What am I supposed to make of all this? I asked myself. Is this some kind of sick joke? Did the government put a town in Yellowstone for some reason? What if it's not a town? Maybe it's a cover-up for something worse. I thought before zoning out. There was a knock on the door and it startled me out of my daydream. Come in, I yelled. Two men came inside, both dressed in black suits. Are you the one in charge here? One of them asked. I looked at him and nodded. The guy was wearing a badge on his chest and a gun on his hip. He looked like an FBI agent. I'm about to go and talk to them, and I don't know if they'll believe me. What the fuck do I do? First off, let me clarify some things from my first post. I was a wildland firefighter up until a year ago when I decided I needed a change of pace. They weren't FBI agents. They said they were from a private company that deals with the otherworldly. I sat in front of the two men, waiting for them to start asking questions. So, do you know why I've been assigned to this case? taller of the two said. You're the only one in the park who knows anything about this. I nodded. Thomas also knows, but I think you guys already know that. It's pretty weird. The town you described doesn't exist, not according to the GPS and satellite data. Yes, it does, I answered, surprised. It's a lie, the second man said. He had short blonde hair and wore glasses. We checked every single point on the map. Every house, every business, there is nothing there. Bullshit. You can't tell me you've been everywhere in the park and haven't noticed it, I said angrily. When I first came to the park, I saw the sign for Hungry Horse. I thought it was a joke at first, but then I saw the motel, the gas station, the diner, the hardware store, and I saw the people inside them. The man with glasses nodded slowly. But we've checked every inch of the surrounding area. We've looked at aerial photos, satellite images, we've even flown over the valley with a helicopter. Well, maybe you should have a look again. Maybe you missed something, I said defiantly. We did. There is nothing there. It's not possible. Do I have to fucking show you where it is myself? I asked. Both men exchanged glances, and then the shorter one nodded. Very well. If you're sure you've seen something unusual, we'll take you there. Thank you, I said. I got out of my chair and followed the two men out of the cabin. They were in their early fifties, both with short hair and blue eyes. They were talking quietly to each other as I followed them out of the cabin to their unmarked car. Now, the man with glasses said, if you could just lead us to your town. Sure, I replied. We drove deeper into the park. 
Our vehicle was equipped with a topographical GPS system, which made it easy to navigate through the rugged terrain. After an hour of driving, we came to a hill overlooking a wide valley. We passed the sign for Hungry Horse. Did you see the sign? I yelled. The men just looked at each other. I'm sorry, what? The shorter one asked. There's a sign here. It says Hungry Horse, right? The man shook his head. I don't see anything. He pulled off the road and stopped right before the sign. He turned off the engine and looked at me. Maybe we should get out and look again, he suggested. I agreed and I got out of the car and ran over to the sign. It's right here, I shouted. He walked up behind me and looked over my shoulder. What the hell is this? It's a sign. It says Hungry Horse, I yelled. He looked at me and glared. I grabbed his arm and pulled him over to where I could see the sign. Can't you read? He pulled away and rolled his eyes. Read what? It says Hungry Horse, I yelled. What the hell are you talking about? He yelled back. I pointed at the sign. Look, the name of the town. The man sighed. There's no sign there. I got angry and was about to yell at the agent when out of the corner of my eye I saw someone walking towards us from out of the woods in the direction of the town. It was Irene, the older woman from the hardware store. My eyes lit up and I pointed at her. Irene! I yelled excitedly. The agent turned to face the old woman. His eyes widened in surprise and he opened his mouth to say something, but before he could, Irene hit him and sent him flying into a tree. You shouldn't have came back, ranger, she hissed. With lightning speed, she charged the agent with the glasses. Run, I yelled and jumped into the car. It was too late for the agent. Irene had already snapped his neck. I frantically ran back to the unmarked car and tried to start it. The engine sputtered and failed to turn over. Irene stood directly in front of me, blocking my path to the cabin. What the fuck are you? I yelled. You should have never come here, she said. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into. What the hell is going on? I yelled. She snarled and lunged forward. Her teeth had grown sharp and she snapped at me, but I evaded her bite and rammed my fist into her stomach. God damn it, I yelled. I grabbed her shoulders and threw her into the side of the car. She slid across the hood and fell to the ground. I jumped around the car and kicked her once in the ribs. I'm going to kill you, I said. She smiled. I've already been dead for years, honey. I was about to punch her again when a hand grabbed my arm and yanked me backwards. I spun around and stared at the person who grabbed my arm. It was Thomas, my partner. He had followed the agents and I. What the hell are you doing? I yelled. Don't be stupid. We have to get back to the cabin. I looked at him and shook my head. No, we can't run from these things, I said flabbergasted. What the hell is wrong with you? He slapped me hard across the face. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Just shut up. I rubbed my cheek and looked at Thomas in disbelief. What the hell are you talking about? His eyes were wide open with panic. I heard Irene starting to get up. You have to leave right fucking now. He grabbed me by the collar and pushed me into the driver's seat of the dead agent's car. Get in and drive. But what about you? I can't fight them anymore. You know how many rangers they've taken? Just get out of here. We just found out about the town yesterday. How do you know this shit? I yelled. You just found out about the town yesterday. The fuck does that mean? Just go. I'll keep Irene occupied. Get back to the cabin and read my journal. I don't believe this shit. He nodded. I know. I pulled a 180 and sped back down the road. I pulled a 180 and sped back down the road towards the cabin. I saw Thomas jump on Irene in the rearview mirror. He looked bigger than he usually does. He was standing on top of her, pinning her arms to the ground. Fuck you. Irene yelled. Thomas punched her in the face and she went limp. Stay down, bitch. The last thing I saw was Thomas running towards the town. I'm back at the cabin reading through his journal. There's so much I never knew about him. 
Hey guys, it's Sam again. I finished reading Thomas's journal and I can't believe I trusted him. Thomas knew everything. He knew what the town was all along. He knew Irene would come after me and he didn't tell me anything. I feel like such an idiot. Every single national park has one of these towns. He had been the head of a team of people called The Watchers, a branch of a company called ARC, Anomaly Research Corporation, assigned to monitor Hungry Horse to make sure that the people who go missing in national parks are found before the town can get them. Jesus Christ, why didn't I figure this out sooner? Why did I trust him, stupid, stupid Sam? I read some more of his journal. It explains that the towns might be sentient and can choose who can see and interact with them, and how national parks are only founded when one of these towns blink into existence. Yellowstone is the first and has the largest town, but the towns aren't the main threat. It's what the people who get taken turn into. When they get taken, their minds are changed and they become something else. Something sinister. I flip to another page and explains that the town doesn't take everyone. Some people are harder for the town to influence and they can't resist its power. These people are called watchers. Watchers can still be taken, but it's rare. I think Hungry Horse just took the last watcher in Yellowstone. There's a phone number and a note written inside the front cover of the journal. It says to call the number if Thomas is missing or if he seems off and to tell the person who picks up on the other end that Thomas has been compromised. This is fucking insane, I thought to myself. I set the journal aside and looked out the window. The sun was setting and it cast a beautiful orange glow over the mountains. I could hear the river flowing nearby. I heard a noise outside and turned around. A large shadow moved quickly across the trees near the cabin. I watched as it approached the edge of the woods and was Thomas. He didn't look injured at all, despite the fight with Irene. I ran to the door and locked it as he stepped onto the porch. I looked out the window at Thomas. Why aren't you injured? I asked through the window. They can't hurt me anymore, he answered. Who are they? The town, he whispered. The town? Yeah. What happened to your team? He's dead. He's gone. Is that why you never told me about the town? I didn't want to scare you. How'd you know Irene would come after me? The town let me know. The, the, the... the the town? What? You know what I mean. The town tells you stuff because you're a watcher? Yes. He whispered. What the fuck? It's not important. Your journal didn't say the town was intelligent. It's alive. It thinks and it feels. It's a living entity. Its mind is vast and powerful. It talks to you? Sometimes. What does it say? Everything. I was dumbstruck. That, that's impossible. It's true. Now please let me inside. He loudly begged. I noticed something was off with his voice. Why do you sound different? Because you're making me nervous. You're freaking me out. Please let me in. I looked up at him for a few minutes without saying anything. There was something about his face that made me curious, something that seemed odd. Finally, I shook my head. I'm sorry, Thomas, I said. Threw his body at the door. Let me in, he shouted. I can't do that, Thomas, I said calmly. I unlocked the gun locker and grabbed the only shotgun we had. I pointed at him and waited. Thomas stopped moving and leaned against the door, his breathing becoming shallow and quick. Sammy, you're my best friend. I'm sorry, Thomas. I'm sorry, Thomas, but I can't open the door. I snarled. Stop lying. Open the fucking door. He started throwing himself against it. Panicking, I pushed the table and couch in front of it. Samuel, open this door. I just ignored him and went upstairs and laid on the bed. He kept banging on the door for an hour. Eventually he stopped banging on the door, but I could still hear him yelling. I think I might just call that number he wrote down in his journal. Maybe ARC will send someone to deal with Thomas and dial the number. 
It rang three times before a man picked up and said, Hello, Thomas? I sat there silently. Hello? He asked again. It got Thomas, I yelled. Are you safe? No, I'm not fucking safe, I screamed. Thomas has become one of those things from Hungry Horse, and now he's here, and he's trying to break into the cabin. Hold on, we'll send someone right away. Is anyone else with you? Just me, I answered. Okay, stay put and don't let him inside the cabin, he said, and then he hung up. I laid back down on the bed and tried to ignore the sounds coming from downstairs. I could hear Thomas pounding against the door again. I was terrified that ARC wouldn't show up soon enough. Then suddenly I heard a car pull up outside. I jumped off the bed and rushed downstairs and looked out the window. There were men with rifles standing outside. I saw one of them run to the cabin. The banging of the door stopped. Thomas had noticed them. I heard Thomas roar against the sound of gunshots. I watched as the men loaded Thomas, who was still alive somehow, into the back of a van. The two men got into the van and drove off as another car pulled up to the cabin. A man in a white lab coat stepped out and walked to the door knocking on him. Open the door, Sam. Don't make this harder than it has to be. Who the fuck are you? My name is Dr. Jaden Oxblood. Well, what the hell do you want? I demanded. I need to talk about Thomas with you. I don't have time for your bullshit. Just leave me alone. I heard him sigh, and that's when I felt an arm grab my shoulder and something prick my neck. I started to curse, and the world faded to black. I woke up on the couch about 30 minutes later. Looking around, I saw that Dr. Oxblood was sitting in the chair across from me. Now that everything has calmed down, you're going to tell me everything that you know. I guess I don't have a choice, guys. I'll update you all after I've talked with Dr. Oxblood. Sorry about the long wait, guys. So, let me explain what happened while I was gone. Oxblood drove me to the headquarters of ARC. Once there, Dr. Oxblood led me into his office and told me to sit down. He locked the door and sat across from me. The room was filled with bookshelves and pictures of presidents and generals from many wars. On the walls, there were weapons that I didn't recognize. So, tell me about the town. What makes you think I know anything about the town? I have reason to believe you are aware of its existence. Fine, what do you want to know? Tell me everything you know about the town. Everything? All of it. I told him about the day Thomas told me about the town, our trip to Hungry Horse and how Thomas had stayed behind to fight Irene. He listened intently as I spoke. He was taking notes while I talked and occasionally asked me a question. When I finished telling him everything he wanted to know, he stood up and walked over to a cabinet and opened it. He reached inside and pulled out a small silver box and placed it on his desk. What's that? It's a key. One day, you'll need it. Why would I ever need a key? You'll find out. If you really want to find out what happened to your friend and figure out what this town is, you'll use the key to unlock the secrets of the town. Why should I trust you? I can't tell you that. You'll have to learn to trust me in time. He handed me the key. It was heavier than I expected it to be. I looked at it for a long moment before putting it in my pocket. What do you plan on doing with me? You are a very valuable asset to us. We want you to become the newest watcher of Yellowstone. I stared at him for a second, remembering what I read in Thomas's journal. Well, what the hell is a watcher, exactly? It's a title given to humans who have been chosen by ARC to protect the world from the supernatural. Doesn't ARC already have watchers? 
Yes, they have many watchers, but none of them have ever entered one of the towns without changing, like you. You are the first human to enter one of the towns and return without becoming a monster. I sat there and thought about it. So if I agree to become a watcher, what are the risks? There are no guarantees. The risk of your life, your sanity, and possibly losing your humanity are all high. So what happens if I decline? We will kill you. I laughed. <laughs> Why do you think I'll accept? He smiled. Because you want to save your best friend Thomas, and you want answers. Are you saying you can give me those answers? Not yet, but once you become a Watcher, I will be able to teach you everything you need to know. How long until I can become a Watcher? He smiled. You've been a Watcher ever since you read the journal. I stared at him for a minute before shaking my head. You can't be serious. I am completely serious. I sighed. Alright, so what do you expect me to do? I don't know any more about the towns than you do. I know that much. So why did you ask me here then? To offer you a job. A job? Yes, a job as a watcher. I want you to become one of us. What kind of job? In order to become an official watcher, you must become a member of the ARC. What does that entail? You will have to sign an agreement stating that you will work for us. You will also be required to undergo training and then take a test to prove yourself. And what do I get in return for signing this agreement? A bigger paycheck than you've ever seen. I laughed. <laughs> Seriously? The pay is good, but the real benefit is the knowledge that you're helping keep the world safe from monsters, demons, and other threats to humanity. Not everyone gets that chance. Sounds good to me. Good. Congratulations. He unlocked the door with the key and we left the room together. On the way out, a man dressed in a park ranger uniform approached me. This is your new partner, Dr. Oxblood said. Welcome to the ARC. Do you mind if I ask your name? My name is John. I shook his hand. Nice to meet you, John. Likewise. Alright, well, I guess this is goodbye for now, Oxblood. I'm sure I'll see you soon. You better hope you do. Joke. After leaving the building, John and I got in his car and drove off. So where are we going? I asked. Back to your cabin, he answered. We arrived at my cabin. The sun was setting and the sky was getting dark. We got out of the car and headed towards the cabin. Once inside, I sat on the couch and looked at John. So what's going to happen now? That depends on you. What do you mean? John took out a bottle of whiskey and poured himself a drink. I watched as he drank most of it before answering. I intend to train you to become a watcher. Until then, you'll be living with me. Living with you? I asked. For the next couple months, he answered. I'll help you get used to being a watcher, so that when it comes time to choose your own partner, you'll be able to keep them safe. You'll also start to learn things about the ARC that even some of our agents don't know. What kind of things? I can't really explain it to you. It'll only make sense once you're trained. I nodded. Fine. Drink up. We need to get you settled in. I laughed and poured myself some whiskey. John says training begins in an hour. I'm going to take a nap before he trains me. I was woken up from my nap by the sound of shattering glass and John yelling for me to get my ass downstairs. I ran down the stairs and into the kitchen. What happened? I asked. 
It wasn't John who answered my question. Hello, Samuel. It seems I've got the upper hand this time, Irene said, holding John by the shoulders. She looked much younger than when I last saw her. She was wearing a black dress, white gloves, and her hair was done up. It was beautiful and terrifying at the same time. What did you do to Thomas? I asked. Thomas was a fool, Samuel. He chose to stay behind to protect you. He made his choice and my town changed him. I would have killed you both if you hadn't escaped, but now you're mine again and I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. What are you talking about? What do you mean your town? I asked. Irene smirked, her eyes sparkling with hatred. My town is a demon. The town is a creature created by the demon king Azaziel. He built our town to serve as his prison. He put all the monsters in it so they could one day be released upon your world. I was speechless. My mind was reeling from the news of the town. Who are you? I finally managed to say. I'm the gatekeeper of the demon kingdom. I'm here to destroy the world and end life as we know it, she said. Let me go, John shouted. She slammed him against the wall and held him there with ease. You're not going anywhere until I decide otherwise, she said, smiling. Release him, I yelled. He looked at me and laughed. You don't seem to understand, Samuel. I control this place. Nobody's going to help you. She let go of John and walked towards me. You don't scare me, and I know you can't hurt me, she said. That's when I remember the silver key Dr. Oxblood had given me. Where did you get that? She snarled. Wouldn't you like to know? I quipped back at her. I suddenly felt something strange. It was like my body was being pulled away from my soul. I struggled to hold on to it. What are you doing? She screeched. I tried to resist, but it was too late. My soul was gone. Give me the key! Irene screamed, running towards me. Suddenly, I was back in my body again. I was kneeling on the floor in front of Irene, holding onto my head with one hand and clutching on my chest with another. I could see everything in slow motion. I watched as Irene charged towards me, her face twisted with rage. I stood up and grabbed her by the neck, squeezing tightly. Let go of me! She screeched. I squeezed harder, I felt her throat bulge and blood begin to leak out of her mouth. I threw her through the window she had broken in through. I watched as she got up and glared at me before turning around and heading back towards Hungry Horse. I turned around, looking over to John, who was standing in the doorway, a deep gash running down the left side of his face. He smiled at me. You might not need as much training as I thought you would. That was pretty impressive. I felt a surge of pride. I'll be right back, I said. Be careful, Samuel. Don't get yourself killed. I smiled. I wouldn't dream of it. What's happening to me, you guys? I followed Irene back to her house in Hungry Horse. I was hoping to kill her, but right as I was about to enter through a window in the basement, I heard her say, You dumbasses ready yet? We just need five more humans and I'll be powerful enough to open another Hellgate. I want to open the next one in Canada. I backed away looking in through a window on the bottom floor and I saw about 20 of the townspeople gathered inside. That's when I turned and ran. I ran as fast as I could, dialing John's number as I crossed Hungry Horse's border back into Yellowstone. John answered his phone almost immediately. Where are you? I ignored his question and asked one of my own instead. Are there any people camping in Yellowstone tonight? I'm not sure. Why? Irene only needs to take five more people before she can create another town and she's got a group together to go out and find some. He swore under his breath. How big is the group? I asked. About twenty, 
Alright, listen, I have a plan. We need to stop her before she can take more people. Are there any people camping close to Hungry Horse? I questioned him. There's a bunch camping around to hold a faithful. How far away are we from them? I don't know exactly. It's hard to tell how far away anything is in Montana at night, but they should be within half an hour or less. Alright, listen, I have a plan. Can you get to the campground before midnight? Yeah, I can be there in 30 minutes. Good. Get your gear together and meet me at the glacier. Don't forget to bring your guns. Roger that. See you at glacier. I hung with the phone and stared at it for several seconds before dialing Oxblood's number. Ah, uh, Samya. No time. I need you to send a team out to the campground at Glacier. Alright, I'll have a team heading out as soon as possible. I hung up the phone as I began to run faster than any human has ever run before. I thought about Irene and how close she was to opening another Hellgate. I was filled with rage knowing that I might die trying to stop her, but I couldn't think about that now. I needed to focus on what I was doing. If Irene opened another gate, who knows what will happen. The moon was slowly rising into the sky, casting long shadows across the ground. The air was cold, the temperature dropping as I ran. I could hear the sounds of wolves chasing their prey somewhere nearby. As I ran towards the campground near Glacier, I could smell smoke emanating from the campground. I shivered at the Glacier scent and continued to run. As I got closer to Glacier, I noticed the campground was packed full of tents and RVs. I started hearing gunshots and screams. I looked around frantically for ARC operatives, but it didn't appear that they were here yet. There was a large fire burning in the middle of the campground. It looked like someone had set it. I kept running, weaving between the tents until I found a tent that was completely shredded on one side and engulfed in flames. There was a body inside. It was completely mangled. I could barely make out any details of the person's face. There was no way of telling what race or sex the corpse was, but whoever this person was, they definitely weren't a friend of Irene's. I looked around the campground again and saw nothing but chaos. People were screaming, crying, and running away from Irene's monsters as John fought them off. Suddenly I heard the sound of a helicopter. I looked up at the night sky and saw ARC helicopters swooping in. It hovered over the middle of the campground, their lights shining brightly. ARC! Come on! Hurry! I yelled. I was still a few hundred feet away from the fight when I saw one of those... things... jump onto a roof of an RV and launch itself at the helicopter. It smashed through its cockpit window and tore the pilot out of her seat. I watched helplessly as the helicopter preened out of control, crashing into the last section of the campground that wasn't blocked by Irene's people. The helicopter exploded, sending debris everywhere and causing panic amongst the remaining campers. I took off running, making my way towards the center of the campground where John and his men were fighting the creatures. He kept them at bay, but they were slowly overwhelming him. That's when Irene grabbed him by the throat and lifted him off the ground, her face inches from his, her long red nails glistening in the moonlight. What do you think you're doing? He growled. John struggled to speak. Why are you doing this? What do you want? He wheezed. She leaned in closer and brought her lips to John's ear. What do I want? She whispered and pushed him back, sending him flying to the dirt. I want your world! She yelled. She pointed at John and the campers. And nothing you can do will stop me. She roared with laughter. She stepped forward and placed her foot on John's neck. Now you're going to watch as my people slaughter every single person you were trying to protect. My vision went red as I let out the loudest, most visceral roar I've ever heard. The fighting instantly stopped as everyone winced and covered their ears. Everyone but Irene, that is. Irene turned and snarled at me. Hey, ass butt! I sneered at her. Well, looks like I'm fighting Irene, I thought to myself. If I don't up you guys within 48 hours, I'm, I probably lost the fight. Wish me luck. I could really use it. I stood in front of her, 
My hands balled into fists at my sides. I looked into Irene's eyes as she glared back at me with pure hatred in her own. Do you really think you can stand a chance against me? I'm the strongest being you will ever face. You are nothing compared to what I can do. She yelled, her voice filled with venom. Watch me, I responded. I took several steps back and leaned forward, letting the muscles in my legs tense up. My shoulders tightened and I could feel my back arc. I let out another primal roar as I prepared to pounce. Irene smirked, her eyes sparkling in the light of the burning fires. Go ahead, you'll never touch me, watcher, he taunted. You're far too- I didn't give her time to finish. I sprang forward, slamming into Irene and knocking us both to the ground. I felt her claws rip through my jacket as we fell, but I didn't care. I wanted to tear her apart. We rolled over and over, punching and clawing at each other. I tried to use my enhanced strength to pin her down, but she was too quick and dexterous. I managed to hit her in the stomach, but she simply grabbed my arm and threw me across the campground. I slammed in the side of an RB, which sent it rolling. The impact knocked all the wind out of me and left me stunned for a moment. I lay there in pain, unable to move while Irene walked over to me. You should have stayed in your cabin, you pathetic little watcher, she screamed. I rolled onto my back and wiped the blood from my mouth as I watched her approach. I'm going to enjoy ripping you apart. Not if I can help it, I growled. I rose to my knees and let out a defiant roar. I'm going to end you here, Irene, she laughed. <laughs> do you know how many watchers before you thought that? Maybe I'll be the first to actually do it. Won't be the last. I've been killing watchers since before you were born, and I'll continue to kill them until my power is absolute. Not today. I didn't have to wait very long to test my words. Irene charged at me, and with one fluid motion, I grabbed her by the neck and flung her to my right. She smashed into a picnic table, the force of the impact knocking the entire thing over, spilling the food and drinks everywhere. Irene let out a scream of anger and frustration as she scrambled to her feet. She picked up the picnic table and threw it at me. I used my enhanced strength to leap out of the way, but the table splintered and cracked against the side of an RV. I turned to see Irene charging at me again. I sidestepped her attack and punched her in the stomach. She grunted and doubled over, falling to her knees. I kicked her in the face, sending her crashing backward. Irene got to her feet and charged at me once more, swinging the broken remains of the picnic table around like a weapon. I ducked under it and kicked her in the chest, slamming her back into a tree. She fell to the ground, gasping for breath. Irene struggled to get to her feet. You won't kill me. You'll never be able to kill me. I could tell she really was starting to doubt that. You're wrong. We both know I can. Irene finally was able to stand up. She brought the broken remains of the picnic table around like a shield. Come on then, watcher. Let's finish this. I lunged forward, my hands outstretched. I slammed them into the wooden railing of the picnic table, shattering it and knocking Irene to the ground. I grabbed her by the throat and lifted her up off the ground. You will pay for everything you've done, every life you took, I growled. You'll never kill us all, she spat in my face. More of you humans join us every day, she began laughing. I gripped her head and twisted hard. Her neck snapped like a twig and the red light faded from her eyes. I turned to look at the chaos that was taking place in the campground behind me. I let out a primal, earth-shaking roar that tore into the last of Irene's group. My rage was so powerful that the ground shook and trees toppled. The sound of metal screaming in protest echoed through the night as I fought. It was beautiful. I lost track of time as I killed each and every one of them, leaving no survivors. They had made their choices, and now they would suffer the consequences. The carnage was horrible, and I hadn't even reached Hungry Horse yet. I tore the last of the group apart as I reached the town, and as I did, the sun finally started to rise and the residents of Irene's town were already up and about. They were in for a surprise. I started at the diner, tearing the door off the hinges and slaughtering every last resident inside. 
I stormed through town, destroying anything that got in my way. I moved quickly and efficiently, tearing through a row of houses, smashing through walls and breaking furniture. The citizens were panicked. They were running everywhere, trying to escape, only to find themselves trapped in the middle of my rampage. I heard the screams and cries of terror as I destroyed the town, and as soon as it was done, I had slaughtered everyone who lived there, and I was left standing in the center of a pile of dead bodies. It was over. Irene had failed. The people of her town were gone. I grinned and called Dr. Oxblood. He would definitely enjoy hearing about this. Good job, Samuel. I heard it was quite the show. I wish I'd been there to witness it, Oxblood said. It was incredible. I don't think I'll ever forget it. Excellent work, Samuel. Your work here is done. Go home and take some time to rest. There will be more blood to spill soon enough. These towns aren't the only weird thing about national parks. Understood. I'll contact you when I need you again. I hung up the phone and closed my eyes. What was next? I couldn't wait to find out. I'll let you guys know when I encounter other anomalies. Thanks for all the advice.